Good morning, fam. Hope y'all are doing well. Uh, it is um, it's Thursday, and uh, you know, just getting getting this uh, up to you guys. Hopefully, it is helpful. Uh, we are wrapping up our series on the I am statements with uh, I don't know. I feel like every week I say, this is the most famous I am statement. Uh, I am the vine and you are the branches uh, is one that, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of folks um, talk about a lot, right? And uh, so this is, uh, this is where we're at, John 15. Um, one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible. And uh, it's... I don't know. I, I think it's one that over the course of my time as a pastor, uh, as a missionary, full-time Christian laborer, whatever you want to, uh, whatever phrase you want to use, uh, I think this has been one of those that more times than not, uh, as I have discipled people, as I've mentored people, and they start really reading the Bible seriously for the first time, John 15 uh, tends to be uh, one of the most powerful uh, passages that strikes people, that really hits them, that really forces them to ask some hard questions of themselves, of where they're at in their faith. Um, and, uh, and so as you work through, as you work through this passage uh, with your folks this week, don't rush it. Uh, you, you don't need to rush it. You can let it marinate. You can let it, uh, you can let people think on it just a little bit. I realized the importance of this uh, this past Sunday. I asked a, a couple of questions, um, and I just kind of let them let them sit there uh, for a minute, probably longer. Uh, I've allowed I allowed silence this past Sunday longer than I have uh, in a long time, and it was really uncomfortable for me uh, to do that. And in some sense, it was a little bit frustrating, right? Because I was like, man, if you all had been keeping up, if you'd been reading, if you'd been thinking through this already, like, you'd have an answer. Um, and then I had to remind myself that I am the one that is thinking about these things, you know, weeks in advance, um, days in advance of this. And, and, and really for the first time on a Sunday is when folks are, are most likely uh, looking at these passages, and I also recognize the fact that uh, for those of you that are that listen to this podcast, um, you know, listen to these coaching tips uh, before you roll into a Sunday, you don't want to simply dominate the conversation, and uh, and so I appreciate that as well. And uh, this past week, at least in Creekside, I, I really did notice uh, those of you um, that probably listen to this uh, this little episode did engage a little bit more than you typically have over the last couple of years or last couple of years, last couple of weeks. And I really appreciated that because I think it helped get the conversation going. Um, and so if you're not leading, I, I would encourage you again to, uh, to help drive the conversation, to, to help be uh, the person that maybe speaks first every once in a while, uh, because uh, sometimes it just takes that, that one person to, to get the conversation going. And uh, in this week, you know, we are, we're looking at a passage uh, that, 
that has the potential to really force um, really force us to wrestle with some hard questions, to really uh, challenge uh, challenge folks in their thinking a little bit. Uh, maybe not in any kind of um, you know, not in politics or something mundane, uh, but but I think when we get real honest about this question of, am I remaining in Christ? Um, that's a that's a that's a big question, and, and that's a that's a question that we need to that we need to ask and we need to wrestle through. Um, and uh, and it's funny. Um, you guys might find this funny. I, I did uh, as I was thinking through this and thinking through like the message big idea part, which is hopefully a little phrase that kind of gets stuck in people's minds. Um, the Lionel Richie song "Stuck on You" <laughs> came came into my head. It just kind of started flowing into my brain uh, as I was processing uh, the message big idea, and so. Uh, yeah, I just I just thought that was funny. So I kind of hope that earworm is now uh, running through your brain uh, after I've just said this, and that you feel the absolute necessity to uh, go to Spotify or Apple Music or uh, YouTube Music or whatever and uh, and play that song because <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's I don't know that's the thing that that kind of popped through my head. Um, we are looking at the uh, first 17 verses here in John chapter 15 this week. And uh, they go like this. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. If it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and in my and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and, you, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So I have told you this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, but a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Alright, so what do we have going on here? Um, Structurally, we have two parts. Uh, you have verses 1 through 8 and verses 9 through 17. Uh, 1 through 8 is a figure of speech, right? It's, 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 we, we've covered this uh, ad nauseum over the last few weeks, uh, but this is just another illustration that Jesus has put forward here to try to explain deep spiritual truths using some sort of, uh, you know, idea 
that or, or or metaphor that there that his listeners would would understand right this is um, so again it's just he, he's he's creating an illustration here and uh, back then uh, a lot of these guys would have been very familiar uh, with you know agriculture and you know the working of vines and um, and all that kind of stuff ventology I think is is the is the word for it right um, and uh, so this would not be something that would have just been like, well, I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, this this was a pretty normal normal thing um, in his day and age. So uh, so you may want to do a little bit of research on vines and um, you know how how vines work and and all that kind of stuff. Um, it may be may be helpful. It might not be. I don't know, uh, but uh, but the point is that we have an illustration, and then verse starting in verse nine, we have Jesus really kind of expounding on it. Uh, this is a famous a famous recapitulation is is the fancy word, uh, where you have a teaching and then you have a return back to the same topic, just now expounding on that particular illustration. So. John loves to do this, and a tradition says that the gospel writer John, that the writer of First John, Second John, Third John, and and the Book of Revelation were all written by the same guy. And if that's the case, uh, then you know what we see here in John fifteen is a very normal. Um, a very normal technique, narrative technique that uh, that John uses, because this is how Revelation is structured. Uh, we see recapitulation all throughout First John, uh, and and we do see quite a bit of it here in the Gospel of John as well. So this is so this this narrative style, this narrative structure, is not something that is uh, odd or unique. Uh, to to John, but it is very much a normal, um, very normal, very normal for him to to use. So, if you have nine through seventeen explaining one through eight, the question becomes: How much time do you spend on one through eight, or do you focus all of your attention <clears throat> on nine through seventeen? Uh, I don't. I don't think it matters. Uh, I, I think. I think what what is really helpful in 9 through 17 is that we really see we, we really see what is at the root of the intimacy between Jesus and his followers. I think we also see uh, this this call for love, uh, which is, absolutely fundamental to the theology of John and um, we see this shift right that Jesus says uh, between servant and friends uh, and that's that's important so you know you, you get you get a clarification of the of the illustration and and it's really really helpful that that John does that here. Uh, in the words of Jesus. Okay, 
Um, so let's let's walk through this briefly, shall we? Uh, first, uh, the first thing to note is that John 15, uh, 1 through 17, isn't, it's not hard. Uh, it's not a, there's not a whole lot of, you know, strange text things happening. There's not a whole lot of strange uh, grammar stuff. There's not a lot of super difficult theology even uh, here in this particular passage. It, it is quite straightforward. For us, we may miss some of the straightforwardness because we're not familiar uh, with with vines. You know the agricultural science of vines. Uh, we might not get that. Uh, we miss some of the fun stuff uh, that that is done with language here. Uh, you know, in in this passage, and uh, and we'll we'll get to that momentarily. If I can put my finger on my Greek New Testament, uh, there, there's something really fun that, that takes place in, in verse 2. Uh, but let's start with verse 1. This is probably where the vast majority of... Um, this is probably where the vast majority of, of theology really, really kind of gets dropped. Uh, particularly, particularly if you uh, make the choice to kind of dodge uh, the predestination bit there in in verse sixteen. Uh, yeah, you can, you know, you could dive deep into the "You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, so that you may go and bear fruit." You you could go dive deep into that and really get into election and really get into all of that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I would say that's a that's another another conversation for another night, <laughs> and and maybe dodge that a little bit, um, you know. But if that's something that your folks are going to talk about, realize here uh, that you know that all the way through, Jesus is universalizing himself. He is universalizing his work. So. Um, so you know, I don't. I don't think you have to get to some sort of uh, super, super deep, in-depth, hardcore punch in the face kind of uh, kind of election stuff here, unless you want to universalize it. If you want to universalize it, then uh, then it then it helps. All right. Um, so from that aside. <laughs> Verse one uh, is arguably like this is this is kind of some of the big holy crap I can't believe Jesus went there moment for uh, for early Jewish Christians and the reason for this is when Jesus says I am the true vine what he is doing here is he. He is playing on an image that is used almost exclusively for Israel in the Old Testament. Uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, are almost exclusively referred to as vines 
and all and they are and when and when that illustration when that metaphor when that image is applied to the people of Israel the the uh the connotation is never good because it is always in the context of their unfaithfulness and it is always used uh to describe uh judgment that they are going to be cut off, that they are going to be removed, and they are going to be thrown out into the fire. Because a vine that gets that gets cut down, it it withers and wilts and dries out really, really fast. And and it is a it is immediately used uh, as as firewood. And so this is this was always an image of judgment. And. So Jesus here is putting himself in their place and he's saying, I am the true vine. I am the one who, who has been faithful. Right? I am the true vine. I am the authentic vine. I am the real vine. I am the vine that, that stands in the place of Israel and truly carries out the will of the Father. I am the embodiment of Israel. Guys, we can't underestimate, we can't overstate the theological significance of Jesus saying this, especially as it relates to him going to the cross, which is the whole context of this entire bit of conversation, right? So here you have Jesus saying, I am the true vine. I am the faithful one. I am the authentic one. I am the one who is embodying Israel. And so what does he do? He is now on his way to the cross to bring them out of, uh, to bring them out of exile because he is the one who has fulfilled it. He is now taking all of the judgment on himself. He is bringing them from the wilderness back into the very presence of God the Father, which is what we talked about last week, which is where he is going. Do do you see how all of this begins to tie together, right? It ties the whole storyline, the whole narrative arc of the entire Bible together in one little phrase, I am the true vine. (laughs) It's... And you might be listening to me going, why are you getting so excited about this? This is whatever. Yeah, maybe maybe it is angels dancing on the head of a needle. I I don't know. Um, But for somebody who who is trying to understand the whole narrative arc, the whole narrative story, of the Bible, looking at all of its ugly parts and all of its beautiful parts and, and trying to, to piece together this whole thing. When, when, we, when I see something like this um, and, and, you, and you see this, this move that Jesus makes here to fully and wholly identify himself as the, as the embodiment and the faithfulness of the people of God on their behalf. Guys, this is this is where we get things like Romans chapters uh, you know, four, five, and six. I mean, this is this is theological foundational kind of stuff. This is these are big rocks in the theological world. Um, and and Jesus here 
is kind of doing <laughs> a Jesus juke. He is, he is, he is turning. He is changing the script. He is turning the prism. He is. I don't. I don't know how you want to. How other way you can say it. He is. He is burst. He is busting the 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 box, and and he is changing. He's changing everything. By him saying he is the vine, by him saying he is the embodiment of Israel, he is saying that he really does have the authority to go and reconcile and make all things right through the cross. It's huge. It's huge. Um, so what about, uh, so verse 2 uh, I mentioned that there's some wordplay that we miss. Yeah, in the Greek, uh, there's there's this wordplay that takes place um, uh, with with the words "ire," uh, "kathare," and "kataroi." Uh, so, um, and that is uh, that's the uh, cuts off, uh, you know. Uh, uh, prune and uh, clean. Uh, those uh, those those three words uh, are all uh, together, um, and uh, you know it's a uh, yeah. It's just it's just this wordplay, and and we don't we don't get it. Um, you know we don't we don't get it in the uh, in the English. Um, so, cuts away, uh, prunes, and uh, and cleans. You know they they kind of have this this fun little wordplay of, you know, ire kata ire, and kata aroi. So, uh, it's uh, or not no not iroi, ipe, kata ipe, and kata poi, right? Ipe. Katape katapoi. It's this this fun little fun little wordplay that John does in, in the words of Jesus for uh, for cuts off uh, you know cuts off prunes and cleans. So uh, what else do we have going on uh, in this little section here? Well, we have. Uh, we have this whole thing about cuts off, prunes, and cleans. Uh, so because they're clean, they're going to bear fruit. And they are they're in there. Uh, so what about the cuts off thing? Well, I mean, uh, most, most of the argument here is that, uh, and we get this from the, from the broader passage, right? Is if you are in the vine... Then, if you are truly in the vine, then you are going to bear fruit. Like that's just that's just what's what's happening. And so, most of the commentators, most of the scholars think that the ones who are not bearing fruit are those who have been in touch with Jesus but are not actually grafted in. And you look at, for example, Judas Iscariot, right? The the one who would betray him. He he didn't bear fruit. Uh, he he was he was he was cut off. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of what's what's done there, um, and uh, you know, 
the the fruit bearing what is the fruit uh, I, I think you know I, I keep reading through this and I, I've read I've read the commentary and the comment you know a number of commentaries and a lot of a lot of them want to say that the fruit here uh, is is converts um, and you know maybe 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 converts are, are, are where it's at I just I just don't think that's the I don't think that was Jesus's concerns um, I think that is reading back into the text our evangelicalism and I think fruit here uh, we are better left to understand as the fruit of the spirit uh, which we get laid out in Galatians chapter 5, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, uh, the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I think that really is what is happening here. And as we go through our lives, as we live our lives, as we seek to remain in Christ, we are pruned and we are made more like Jesus. And uh, as a result, we see the ninefold fruit come more into fruition Uh uh, in in our lives see what I did there <laughs> um, so uh, what else do we have uh, in uh, section 2 we we get this clear teaching of what it means to remain uh, now uh, it's interesting here in verse 9 as the father has loved me so I have loved you the tense here is is what's known as the aorist and so it is like a completed work. Jesus' love for us is, is completed, it is done, and it is ongoing. He loves us. There is no change. There is nothing that can end that. And, uh, and so our remaining in his love, he here is again, just kind of like last week, he's, he's, he's talking about this, our willingness, our ability to uh, to live in a constant state of experiential knowledge of his love that's what remain remain here really is getting at it doesn't change right we are in the vine if we are trust if we have trusted Christ uh, you know we we are in the vine and and, and so if we're in the vine then really, the question becomes, how do we experience our inness? How do we experience our interdependence with, with Christ? And see, this is, this is why I think the, the vine illustration is used. Because too many times, we as human beings think that we are independent. That we don't need anyone or anything else. That our, our joy, our identity is all up to us to be determined and what we learn here is that it is not we we are an independent we are an interdependent people we are interdependent on one another and we are inter interdependent on christ the branches can do nothing unless they are connected to the vine the vine can't bear fruit unless it has branches we we need one another christ needs us we need christ Christ doesn't need us in the sense that, you know, in the sense that we are the only way that he can do it. I mean, he says, hey, if, if, if nobody worships me, uh, the stones will cry out, right? Like, Jesus will find other branches. Uh, the, the divine one will find other branches. That That is not really the issue. 
um, except in that we he has chosen he has chosen humanity to be his branches he has chosen this part of his creation uh, this aspect of his creation to be the ones that would bear fruit to be the ones that would be the image bearers for him and so uh, and so how do we how do we remain in this this love how do we show ourselves to be ones who are practicing an interdependent love an interdependent relationship of intimacy with with Jesus we obey his commands we obey his commands that that's simple and it, it is not it is not a, a heavy-handed obedience right I mean it's it's a reflective obedience it's a responsive obedience love comes first his love for us comes first and, and so if we want to experience his love if we want to experience his love we need to obey his commands if we obey his commands then his joy our joy will be made complete this is the whole theme of first john if you remember right how do we live lives of joy we live lives of joy by by practicing the interdependence that we have in the vine in christ we stay connected and we live these lives of self-sacrifice we live these lives of willing to put others before ourselves as we do we experience great joy right stuck on you man if i am stuck on you if i am stuck on jesus then then I will live a life of joy and I will bear fruit. I will bear fruit that is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Friends, if we if we want to, if we want to, the, the, this is what we are trying to get people to understand is that life is lived better interdependently life is lived better joy is made complete love is experienced as we are interdependent as we engage in these uh in this deep relationship right this is my command love each other stuck on you that that's it right stuck on you um i the, I, I love the line right i uh, guess i'm on my way i'm glad you stay stuck on you <laughs> um you know stuck on you i've got this feeling down deep in my soul that i just can't lose guess i'm on my way needed a friend and the way i feel now i guess i'll be with you till the end guess i'm on my way i'm glad you'll stay stuck on you and he's singing about a woman but man that, that reflects back into this whole idea here and um you know if we want if we want to keep if we want to experience the love that jesus has for us if we want to experience the love that we have for one another then we need to remain in him and we do that by by living out his commands
This command is this, love each other as I have loved you. All right, that's, uh, that's where we're heading. That's where we're going. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, let me know uh, what else you guys need in these podcasts. Uh, what else would be helpful to you? Um, and uh, because I want these to be a value add for you, right? Uh, and, and if they're not a value add, then they're, then they're a waste of your time. And they're helpful for me because I get to work through it. This, uh, I get to work through these messages verbally. It's almost like practicing. And, uh, and so it's helpful for me to think through this stuff beforehand. So it's a good, it's a good discipline for me, but I really do want it to be a value add for you as well. Um, I think this passage is going to work really well with the five big questions. I, I really do. And, uh, and so I think, I think that'll be good. I think, I think this was help. I, I hope some of the background stuff is, is helpful for you. And I would, uh, yeah, just so make sure you reach out to me. Uh, if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, feelings, fears, and, uh, Till next week, love well, my friends.